0: Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show, a roughly one-hour, unscripted, interactive, conversational Bible study between a group of genuine misfits transformed by God's amazing grace. My name is Zach Adams. I'm a Christ follower, husband of one, father of three, who's been incredibly blessed to pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia, called Calvary 316. You'd like to learn more about the church? Check out Calvary316.com. Tonight, I am joined in the studio by two of my dear brothers, Mr. Derek Kennedy and Mr. Nicholas Moni. Uh, Fellas, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. What's up? We're um, glad to be here. Oh, yeah, this is exciting. Woo, you Free ready lunch, for tonight? Baby. You good? Uh, oh, absolutely. Hopefully. <laughs> also, also in the studio, I'd like to welcome the man who needs no introduction. The maestro behind the madness, (laughs) the producer of this dysfunction, my partner in crime, Mr. Creighton Vaughn. Creighton, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show.
1: Hello. I'm going to have a panic attack. Why are you going to have a panic attack? (laughs) Oh, because I'm nervous. I always get nervous when we do uh, any kind of live stream, even though we do them two times a week. Uh, And this one, I feel like I have uh, a lot of weight on my shoulders.
0: Now, we did upgrade over the summer break kind of our, our internet, right?
1: Yes, we uh, me and Nick actually changed the router and modem. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, we won't have any prayerfully, of the, uh, yes, yeah. prayerfully, <laughs> yes, we won't have any of the problems that we had in the past where it starts to look like it
0: was filmed in 1999. <laughs> um, that's the goal. So we'll see if it works. All right, now, if you are new to the outlaw radio show, which really this week includes all of us because this is an entirely uh, relaunch of what we're doing. I want to very quickly explain how this is all going to work. Uh, first, the show is unscripted. I have no idea what we're going to be discussing tonight any more than you, the listening audience, does. The only person that knows uh, what we're going to be talking about is Creighton, who will drop the topic in just a moment. So, first, the show is unscripted. Secondly, the show is interactive because we're streaming live on both Facebook as well as YouTube. If God puts a question in your mind, or maybe he impresses a thought on your heart related to what we're talking about, uh, please share it uh, in the comments section uh, that's below the video. Throughout the show, uh, Creighton will, will be monitoring those comment sections, and he'll relay any edifying and constructive comments or questions. So the show is unscripted, and it's designed to be interactive. Lastly, while I'll set the tone and the direction of the episode, the Outlaw Radio Show is is designed to be conversational. Uh, It's going to be a conversation on topics related to God's word uh, between brothers. As such, Derek, Nick, Creighton, they are free to interject a thought, ask a question, bring up a point at any point in the episode. So with all of that out of the way, uh, this is where things get, get interesting. Uh, Cray, what in the world are we going to be talking about tonight? Well, I figured since it's the first
1: show, we should not get too deep or talk about anything too crazy.
0: Well, I appreciate, I appreciate a softball. <laughs> that, that's nice. Right,
1: yeah. So I figure we could just go with um, the differences, pros and cons, and which one is right. Between Calvinism and Armenianism,
0: <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's a real light. It's uh, so a real light. So one. this is, yeah. So you're gonna throw a softball by by diving into a, a topic um, that the church has been debating for the better part of about two thousand years. That that's
1: yeah. I'm just kidding. We can say that for next week.
0: Oh, that's not what we're talking <laughs> about. No, I no just co- thought it would be funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you had me moving. I was I was already the juices were flowing. Okay. Uh, take two. <laughs> oh, Lord. What are we going to talk about uh, on tonight's Outlaw Radio episode?
1: Okay. So, for real, um, and I'm still not throwing a softball because that's not my game. Um, how do we as Christians, um, and this is a topic that you and I have both had to deal with, and I know that Derek and Nick have had to deal with, how do we balance mercy and judgment in terms of fellow
0: Christians? how do we balance and i'm going to repeat the question just to kind of set the set the stage how do we balance mercy and judgment when it comes to the way that we approach other christians other brothers and sisters in the lord i do have to ask for a measure of clarity um are we talking about just in general um or are we is is this being uh, tailored to maybe a christian that has fallen into sin, that has maybe made a mistake, that has, um, stepped in it for lack of a better phrase. Like, can you, can you clarify just a little bit of, of the direction, uh, that you'd like to, to see the, the conversation go? Um, I can see merits to both conversations,
1: whether we're talking about in general or with specifics, um, not necessarily specifics to our lives, but in dealing with a specific brother or sister, um, and I think it'd be more interesting to do a specific brother or sister. How do we deal with um, holding our brothers and sisters accountable while also not
0: being Pharisees? Well, let's, let's maybe unpack that topic um, by looking at, at maybe both ends of the spectrum. Like, okay. l- like maybe let's set the stage kind of addressing that generally and then maybe maybe dive in a little bit more specific to particular topics where judgment, where, where it gets a little bit more murky because maybe judgment is required, like the balancing of mercy in a situation where judgment is is kind of a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught a Bible study recently uh, uh, rebuking stoners about uh, Jesus and the woman caught in adultery, and, and, I, and I think that that might have an interesting application that we can get to in a moment. Broadly, when we want to discuss just how we interact with one another as, as Christians. I think it's important to first set the context um, by which we are brothers and sisters to start with. We always got to remember um, that our salvation, that our interactions with God, that what makes us part of the family of God, which brings us into this, this what can be at times dysfunctional family, um, is completely rooted, is completely based uh, upon God's grace. I think uh, one of the challenges that does arise and, and where things get really um, misguided uh, is any time we, we lose sight of who we actually are. Um, you know, it's been said, um, you know, humility. When we talk about humility, you know, people will, will say, uh, people have a lot of misconceptions about humility and, and what humility is and, and really what it looks like. Um, if pride is having a false perception of who you are, uh, humility is having a correct perception of who you are and then living accordingly. When we understand that our relationship with God is not based upon a work that I've done, and that in fact the Bible tells us that when we were still yet sinners, uh, Christ died for us, um, that we were lost and that we were found in the Lord. Um, we were sinners. There was nothing that we did uh, that merited the grace of God, the favor of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the salvation of God. Nothing that we we, we could we did to deserve it. It wasn't as though there was something intrinsic about each and every one of us where God was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to pick Zach or I'm picking Creighton or Derek or Nick because man, they're on it. No, like that's not the basis um, our our relationships with Jesus to begin with. Our relationship with Jesus is purely a work of Jesus done on our behalf. It's not a sacrifice that we make uh, to earn God's favor. It's a sacrifice that he made that then bestows um, that favor. Um, C.H. McIntosh, um, who did, wrote, one, of, I think, one of the best commentaries on the book of Genesis, he talked about, in relation to the story of Cain and Abel, and how really the big error that Cain made in his approach of bringing the, the fruit of his labor to the Lord was that he was, he was in, a, in a sense, reversing the hierarchy um, of the relationship. Um, Cain wanted to be the giver and, by default, make God the receiver. And thus, God would receive this from Cain and then, as a reaction to that, uh, bestow favor um, and blessing upon Cain. God rejected that because that would place God, according to C.H. McIntosh, and I think it's, it's a brilliant point, it would make God uh, in the lesser position. You know, the Bible tells us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. The, the higher blessing is the giver and not the receiver. Whereas Abel um, really gave nothing. He just, uh, in an act of faith, um, you know, placed his faith in, in an offer, a sacrifice, um, that pointed to a greater sacrifice that God would make for him. Um, in a sense... He was recognizing that that when it's all said and done, God is the giver; I am the receiver, and that's the essence of grace. So, one of the things that really skews and warps, um, and, and in a lot of sense destroys Christian community, is when we lose sight of of who we are um, in Christ. Um, when we when we think that we've done something to deserve it, when we when there's something intrinsic about me um, that 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 determines that I, I have this entire life. Um, no, when I was a sinner, when I was lost, when I was down and out, Christ died for me. It's, it's completely the basis of grace. And here's the thing. When when anybody falls into the trappings of legalism, um, and legalism, again, broadly speaking, if we're, if we're looking for a, a definition, um, legalism manifests when, when we try um, to approach God and any other mechanism other than grace and grace alone. Um, I, I call it grace period, you know, to, to use a little bit of, um, um, wouldn't be linguistic it, jargon, it, not Branding? jargon. No, just, uh, punctuation, uh, yeah, co- comma, semicolons, pithiness uh, <laughs> grace period. When we try to depart from that where it's grace, that's wonderful, but it's, it's grace. And, you know, my favorite with God is, is grace. Yes. It's awesome. And all of these things I'm doing for God that, that when I create that structure, when I, when I'm warping the essence of the gospel by putting an onus on me and the thing, Jesus did this and I'm doing these things. It's, it's, it's like, (laughs) it's the, the lunacy of, um, if if we were to play a, a pickup game of basketball if we were going to do a two on two game of basketball, um, I, I'm not like I'm five foot eight white. I've got about a, a two and a half inch vertical, you know, <laughs> like I'm not I'm not God's gift to basketball. But um, I, I can I can say, I think, with a, with a with a measure of, of confidence um, that if if we were going to do a two on two pickup game and it was me and Giannis, the Greek freak, um, if we were on one team. Uh, we would probably beat everyone we played, um, a, at least within my sphere of, of church basketball leagues. Um, but what would be insane is for me to like, think that us winning had anything to do with me. Um, in fact, my entire job um, in, in that pickup game of basketball, um, it, like, it would be stupid for me to even dribble or even to, <laughs> you know, like, like to take a shot. Um, my entire job is like I inbound the ball to Giannis, and he goes and dunks it over everyone we get the ball back um, and then, and then what do I do? I don't dribble. Um, I just, I get, I throw it again to the guy that's like twice as big as everybody else. He catches it and slammed up. Like it's not Giannis and Zach. And that's, that's, it's purely Giannis like when it comes to grace and grace alone. Yeah. Like I'm a part of it. I'm part of the two man team, but it's really Jesus and Jesus alone. And so anytime, like, we have this hierarchy where it's, it's grace and these things that I do, or there's another perversion where it's like, it's grace, but don't do these other things, uh, these sacrifices that I make that, that somehow now make me more worthy. Um, it, you create a moral ladder, okay? Where, okay, we all have this baseline of grace, but then where we are on the ladder ends up being determined upon these things that I'm doing or these sacrifices that I'm making. The grace and, but the grace but. And when, when you're working on, uh, when your relationship with Jesus is based on like a moral ladder, legalism, it's very, very easy uh, to A, lose sight of the fact that um, there isn't a ladder, and B, um, you don't have much of a role. And, and the Bible tells us that, that even our, our best is as filthy rags. It's easy to look down at those that, that aren't doing the things that you're doing or aren't making the sacrifices that you're making. And you get lulled into a sense of, I have a false sense of myself, but because of that false sense of myself in relation to God, I now have a false sense of everybody else around me because, because I'm now starting to judge other people feeling as though I'm more worthy based upon the fact that, well, they're not doing these things that I'm doing and they're not making these sacrifices that I'm making. And then I become very judgmental. Um, but the problem is, is, I've warped my relationship with Jesus. I've warped um, the way that now subsequently I view other people. You know, it, it's been said, and I don't think it's a cliche. I think it, it's, it's pretty accurate that when you realize that it's the cross of Jesus, um, <laughs> the ground at the foot of the cross, everyone's on the same plane. Like it's, it's, it's level ground. And when we have that always in, in the forefront of our mind, when we realize like I'm nothing apart from the Lord, I'm nothing apart from his spirit, I'm nothing apart from what he's doing in me and through me, it's not me, it's all him, then it's easier for me to see other people really the correct way, that they're also a workmanship in Christ Jesus, that Jesus saved them just like he saved me, that we all had this same basis, so how can I judge another, or how can I uh, think of myself as being better? You know, (laughs) it's it's also said... You know, we, we get into a false sense of righteousness. Um, you, ask, you ask people, why are you going to heaven? Even, even asking Christians, why are you going to heaven? They'll, they'll say, uh, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Well, what does that really mean? Because the Bible says, again, that none are good, no, not one. So when you say you're a good person, what are you actually articulating? And if people are being, are being honest, um, it's through self-comparison. Again, they look down the pew at church, and they're like, okay, I know I have problems, um, but um, my problems aren't as great as their problems. And because my problems aren't as great as their problems, that makes me, that makes me better. Like, they're bad by default because I don't do those things. I'm now, I'm now good. It's through self-comparison. But again, if your eyes are only on Jesus, you know, humanity's divided into only two categories. Jesus, the only one that was righteous, sinless the son of god and everyone else those are the only two categories and if you keep that in the forefront of your mind um when when you realize that man i've been saved by grace i grow in grace this is a work of god um i I can be a lot a lot more patient with other people i can be a lot more loving with other people i can i can extend extend mercy you know jesus said judge not lest you be judged Now, he's not saying that you can't make judgments he's speaking to something deeper deeper in our own lives and 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 I think when it's all said and done, we, we've got to keep, again, to, to those that have received, you know someone, I'll say this, you know someone who has really been changed by the grace of God, that, that really gets, gets God's grace. The biggest evidence, you want to take a guess? Uh, that they're gracious? That they're gracious. <laughs> like when you realize like God has done so much for me and I didn't deserve it, then in turn you can extend that same grace to those that don't Don't deserve deserve it it. because you realize this deservingness has nothing to do with it. And so when we're talking about like, you know, the, the, the the biggest, um, the biggest thing that warps genuine church community, um, is a departure from grace. It's, it's any descent into, into legalism. And, And I would also add, that it's, um, it's when we when we're no longer really walking in the spirit, you know. It's it's the Holy Spirit that, that changes us. It's the like, I'm a jerk, left to my own devices, left to walking in the flesh, like. But if I'm if I'm walking in the spirit, um, I want to treat other people the way that, that Jesus has not only treated them but maybe even more importantly than that, the way that Jesus has, has treated me. And when you begin to understand that, um, you know, you, you brought in mercy. Yeah. I I don't think you can be, you can, you can be judgmental. I, I don't, I don't ever see a lot of benefit to, you know, it's a sad, it's a sad thing that Christians get, get tagged by being judgmental. Um, but the truth, the truth, is that Jesus was the most gracious, loving, other-centered person who ever walked the planet. And so if we're wanting to be Christ-like, I'm um, even in the, in the position where someone has, has messed up, where they aren't doing good, where they ha- are being a jerk, um, you know, I- I'm so glad that my relationship with God was never based upon, upon me. But if I really carry that forward, True community, true Christ-likeness is when I start to treat other people not based upon how they treat me. You know, God's grace flows downhill. I'm impacted by something that manifests now as a reciprocation back to God, but also to others. Um, you, know, you know, John talks about, you know, we love God. Why?
1: Because he first loved because us.
0: Because he first loved us. Um, Again, my love for God is not even something that manifests in and of myself. It's a reciprocation of God's incredible love demonstrated towards me and the fact that that he sent Jesus to die for my sins. So, but then John carries it one step further. Like, I love God because he loved me. But then it's God's love that should be the basis of my love for other people, which then means that my love for other people is, if it's following this downhill flow, should not be of me, which is why I've got to walk in the Holy Spirit, and should reflect and emulate Jesus. The way I deal with other people should be a flavor, a taste of the way, you know, Jesus, we, we sing the song at, at Calvary 316, the prayer of St. Francis, a, a famous prayer prayed by Fra- St. Francis of Assisi. Make of me your hands and feet. Like, I want to be to the world around me what you are to the world around me, and that's that's really the Christian call. That's that's our mantra. Now, like, you know, before we before we get to the other component of maybe the, like dealing with someone like mercy and judgment, etc. Um, I, I want to kind of throw it again. This is designed to be a conversation. Um, Derek, uh, Nick, you guys, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about about this? Like how we develop Christian community, how we walk, how we treat each other the way that Jesus would treat us.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess that is the thing. It's understanding grace and what it is. And if you're able to put yourself down... First, and know what grace is, then you're able to show it to other people around you. You'll know that, like, oh, well, they're a workmanship, like you said, like they're just a workmanship, like that. Jesus is working in their life, just as He may have in mind, maybe in a completely different story, maybe in completely different ways. But that's, I mean, what grace is. Grace looks different for every single person, as far as what they're going through. But,
3: and I mean, we have a great role model in Jesus Christ. Oh, I how you many, he, exactly. no. yeah, yeah, <laughs> with yeah, how much absolutely. mercy He gives. Before he judges. I mean, there's, all, there's bountiful scriptures and everything like that of mercy and everything until his judgment.
0: So let me, let me ask, like, let's define a few terms. Grace, mercy, judgment. Um, how would you guys define those three? And this, this question includes you, Craig. Do you want me to go first? Uh, either of you guys, like, 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 let's start with mercy. What, what is mercy? It's having
2: something that you don't deserve. Like, say, yeah. I, oh, I got pulled over for hating somebody on the side of the road, and I deserve to go to the jail, but they're like, no, nah, just go home. Bad analogy, but no, yeah. but that's, that, that's a real world <laughs> yeah. example. Yeah.
0: yeah. What, what about what about grace? How would you guys define grace? Hmm. You see, I would. I think do it the
1: opposite way I always heard growing up I always heard that grace Is um, Getting something that you don't deserve Mercy is not getting What you deserve Which are similar but not the same thing Grace is getting a present On your birthday when you've been a Terrible person Mercy is not getting a spanking On your birthday when you've been A terrible person
2: Yeah we're sinners, we deserve to go to hell, but we're not, we're
0: free. And then you could, you can add into, into that dynamic, so grace, so mercy is, is, is not getting what I deserve. Mm. So using your analogy, you know, you you know, you're, you're speeding, you get pulled over and the, the, and the cop comes up to the, the car and, um, and is like, what's going on, son? And, and maybe you have a legitimate, a legitimate reason. Um, hey, uh, my mom heard some noises outside. She's freaking out. I'm trying to get over to her house. She's scared. She thinks somebody's trying to break in. So, I, yeah, I, I'm, I know I'm breaking the law. I'm breaking the law. And I'm just, but I'm just trying, like, but there's a reason. And the, and the cop's like, well, okay, I will grant you mercy. You deserve a ticket. <laughs> you deserve a ticket. But go on your way uh grace again mercy uh, withholding what we what we deserve grace is then bestowing what we don't deserve um would be would be the cop saying uh hey i'll lead the way and uh and at the same time why don't i go ahead and fill up your 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 truck full <laughs> of gas and uh, i'll pay this month's um insurance you know you know abundant a blessing not tethered to you at all it's just a, it's a free gift using creighton's analogy interestingly judgment fits within the three categories because judgment if if mercy is not getting what i what i deserve uh and grace is me getting what i don't deserve judgment is giving it's giving me what i deserve right it's the ticket it's the ticket it's like well i don't care what your reason was um you deserve a ticket and so the here's the judgment um you got to go and pay this fine and stand before the judge and get the points on your license and whatnot. Again, the balancing of those three things within, within, within Christian community. Um, are there, are there times like, and I think it's easy for us to see moments where uh, mercy is totally warranted, you know, I, again, as much as I've been given as, as much as I give. And, and again, while I was a sinner, I deserved judgment. <laughs> I deserve punishment. I, I, I deserve certain things. And yet, in God's mercy, um, he's, withhold, we, he's withheld those things from me. And then in, in, in response to it. that, he gives, me th- he gives me all this blessing. You know, I deserve hell. He spares me from that. And then he gives me this life, fills me with his spirit, blesses me abundant, like mercy, grace. Yeah. But, I mean, even in a practical sense, with God and his relation to us, aren't there times... Where judgment is also warranted? hmm For sure. I mean, is there any examples in your own lives where you've kind of you've experienced this the the, the judgment of God? Yeah. In which way?
3: I mean this is this going is going down a wrong path for a really long time and him keep showing me ways out and me rejecting it. And so what happens And so what happens is something happens in my life, I only have one way to turn.
0: Now can't we say, and I think this is important, that judgment is, when it comes to God, um, is, is, is the last tool in the toolbox. It is, it's the last, like, he, he wants to extend mercy mm-hmm. and he extends grace. Like, in our own lives. Like, Nick, you were talking about just even in your own situation, like, being on a path. Like, in retrospect, hindsight, you can look back and say, wow. Like, God's mercy and his grace were all over my life. Oh, yeah. Because he was trying to wake me up. He was trying to get my attention. Right? right? I mean, you... Yeah, for sure. 100%. And yet you... God's grace, you ignored. His mercy, you trampled on. Yep. You kept going down this path, which then at some juncture necessitated you know, what we would call a, a come to Jesus moment, you know, where judgment, like, well, I mean, it was more of
3: like, I can do this on my own. I don't need that. I don't need that. It's me. It's me. It's me. And he's, and it took an impact to be like, no, you see how how this turns out when it's just you, you see where you're at now look 10 steps behind you. Like now you're here, this is judgment, but now you have time to sit there. And look now, at your past. <laughs> th-
0: this, is what, this is what's important. What is the motivation? Again, because we're, like Creighton, going back to what you were saying, Like we're trying to place all of this within the context of, of Christian community, correct? Correct. And just how we, how we deal with one another. The judgment of God. Let's talk about the judgment of God. The judgment of God is a matter of last resort. Yes. So he exhausts <laughs> his grace. He exhausts his mercy and his love. Um, judgment is not the first thing he's, he's won. It's not what, if only there were other ways, like if we would, if we, but, but we're stubborn. We can be hard-headed. But what motivate, like deep down, what is the motivation to the judgment of God? Because I think this helps us understand its role, I think, within Christian community. And Craig, why don't, why don't I throw this in your direction? Uh, I would
1: say it's corrective action. It's not punitive. It is correct, corrective Meaning that it is, for the most part, um, you get little judgments, little judgments, little judgments to get you to turn from the path. The big judgment's less corrective most of the time. But But I would say it is corrective.
2: Yeah, I would say the motivation is love behind it. Like when your child is going down the wrong path like you discipline them like and that's a judgment in and of itself like or if they're they do something wrong you give them all the grace you give them all the mercy but if they continue to do something wrong they're gonna be disciplined they're gonna be punished and why does a parent discipline their child because they know what's best for them and they love them they and they want them to
0: know what's right (laughs) so even in God's judgment what is the motivation care yeah, care Care, love and love. love I mean God is love there's nothing that God does to any of us that isn't motivated, that doesn't filter through his incredible love for us. Even I can even place this within like the great judgment. Like, does God will for anyone to go to hell? No. no, no, he doesn't. And in fact, God has, has gone above and beyond to exhaust his resources to articulate to every single person, how much he loves them. Like there is no, the Bible says there's no greater demonstration of love than to lay down one's life for a friend. And, and, and God sent his only begotten son. Like, that's how much he loved us to die for our sins, to make away. Like, no greater demonstration of mercy, no greater demonstration of grace than this ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And yet, if we continue to reject that, we continue to reject that, like hell, like the ultimate judgment, is it is it the vindictiveness of God towards the individual? Or is there still a measure of love and that. I mean he's honoring your choices, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's giving you the choice. And so if you continue down that path, God honors it. And, and and honoring it, yes, there's a judgment, but he's still there's still a measure of love that's being demonstrated. I think I think we can all say, and Nick, I'll go back, you know, to your situation. So you were you were going down a path that was destructive grace, mercy, demonstrated witnesses along the way, where you're going, this is not good. And then, and then you experience God's judgment. And it was at that point that there was a, a reckoning, a wake-up call, right? Oh, yeah. And it was in that wake-up call that God changed your life. So even in the judgment where God gave you what you deserved, there was love and there was a purpose. There was intention to it. So when we're, when we're trying to take an examination of how we deal with one another as, as Christians, yes, obviously, we can understand how appropriate it is for mercy, to demonstrate mercy. When someone deserves, you know, a rebuke or a consequence, to demonstrate the same mercy we received as Christ-like, and, and love grace. We understand how those things motivate. But when the situation does present itself where, let's say, we have to fall back on this third, this third thing, judgment, can you, can you demonstrate judgment in a situation? Um, yes. Is it appropriate? Yes. But it should always be tethered to intention and, and God's love. Like the, the, the motivation of, behind a judgment should be to hopefully see that person open their eyes, change their direction. Like, mercy hasn't worked. Grace is not working. Judgment is now necessary. I'll give, I'll give you an example. You know, I had two friends at, at a certain time in my life. Both of them um, went a little wayward in their marriages. Both of them ended up receiving judgment and they needed to. It was, it was the right thing. There was a reckoning again with both individuals, mercy, grace, patience, love, kindness. And yet there was a moment where judgment had to be, had to be issued. One fell on his knees and repented and God transformed his life, saved his marriage. Another resisted, never recognize the error of his way. And as a result, we had to cut off this individual. Now, I, I've been accused of being, well, that's not what Jesus would do. Well, is it? Like, ultimately, that's what he does. That's why there's a, thing, a place called hell. What was the motivation? Even, even to this day? Well, it's to hopefully see a moment of repentance, a turning, a changing of the mind, a changing of the direction. So when we're talking about relationships, when we're talking about Christians, when we're talking about the brotherhood, the family. Obviously, grace, mercy, um, is demanded more than anything. But I do see, and Creighton, this really goes to the heart of, of your question, um, the balance between the two is that once those are, have been exhausted, um, I think that we, in an act of love, owe it to the individual to say, you know what, like, what you're doing is wrong, the direction you're going is, is, is the road to destruction. I can't be a part of that. You're not listening. And so here's now this consequence. And that is when Christians often get called, you know, judgmental and hateful. And, and yet and yet I still think that there is, there is, as long as the motivation is love and not spite, not vindictiveness, again, you can only do these things through the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, which is what I come back to, keeping myself in a healthy position uh, with Jesus so that I can see others the way that Jesus sees them. I think the three things can work uh, in concert. Now, with just the few minutes that, that we have left, um, I, I want to get to the, the, the person caught in sin. Before I do that, uh, you guys have anything that you want to add to that uh, before we kind of take a, the topic just a little bit of a different direction?
3: Yeah, the only thing I want to add is you can't have mercy without judgment. Elaborate. Basically... The judgment is, what do we say? Giving, giving someone what they deserve. What they deserve. Mercy is getting what you don't deserve. So, without judgment and someone falling down and then pleading for mercy, like at, at some point, someone, you have to have judgment. That's fascinating. No, that's indeed
0: To give mercy eventually, or With, even if you put it that way. Without judgment, there would be no mercy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, there would it,
3: be no reason for mercy if there wasn't judgment
0: in the world. You would just be. be it be to either judge or grace, or you know, right. That's that's a right? fascinating idea. Like you need like mercy only exists within the possibility of judgment. Uh, judgment, mm-hmm. yeah. Ah, that's deep.
2: Yeah, I had. Well, speaking on like the discipline, something kind of popped up too. He doesn't discipline us to punish us for good. Like it is out of love. I mean, literally, John. 317 is what for God didn't send the son into his world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so, and through that now, that's just what I thought of.
0: No. And
3: everything he does, he tries to turn it back to point our eyes back to him. So if he's doing judgment, it's to turn our life back around and point us in the right direction and give us mercy for doing something that he just judged us for. And he's like, okay.
2: Yeah, he's not punishing us or judging us because we didn't earn it. We're doing something wrong that's yeah. not going the way that we should be going. So, to like, give
0: us mercy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's so, that's so deep. And again, you know, when you, when you filter it all through um, my actions, whether it's mercy, whether it's grace, or it's judgment, it's got to ooze and be motivated by love yeah Mm -hmm. for sure um do you really love someone if you if you're if you're gonna sit idly by and watch them destroy their life um i don't i don't think that that's love um i love love is a, a very fascinating thing because like love only really exists with the threat of losing it you know that there is a a freedom to love um a freedom of the reciprocation of love um Creighton, you got anything that you wanna you wanna add just to to the topic before we? Uh, I have
1: a question from YouTube. Oh, right on from one future Kelly K. Uh.
0: <laughs> For those of you that don't know, that's that's Derek's fiance. Fiance. Uh, Kelly, they're getting married here in October, which we're all very excited about. Yes, so, yes. what 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 question does Kelly ask? So she wants
1: to know um, if there is a difference between discipline and judgment and where the
0: delineation would be in that? I would say that, that discipline is discipline is the carrying forth of a judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, when you, when you finally decide that that mercy and grace action is now necessitated Uh, discipline, is the carrying forth of a judgment. It is that action. It is the action of judgment. Um, for example, um, with my son Quincy, um, you know he could be in a bad mood. He could be treating his brother poorly. Um, I could show some mercy um, to start with. Um, you know, he woke up early. He hasn't eaten. He's grumpy. Um, yeah, he deserves the right hand of fellowship, uh, but, you know, I'm going to grant, you know, a little mercy here. And and even then, uh, maybe demonstrate a bit of grace. Like, all right, bud, um, you deserve a spanking. But you know what? Hey, let's why don't you come with dad? Let's go fishing or, or let's go in the backyard and throw the ball. Like, let's let's go hang out um, again, both motivated by love. But if he persists in his attitude and the ill treatment of a young Theodore, <laughs> Um, at some point, I have to make a judgment that the approaches I have been taking, Grace and, and, and Mercy, um, are, are not getting through. They're not changing the behavior. <laughs> and now, and to, to be just, because he's abusing his brother, um, I make a judgment that necessary action is not just appropriate, but warranted. I- the discipline, discipline at that point... Is the carrying forth of a judgment that I've made, and the discipline has to be weighted and proportional to the judgment. Again, a heavy discipline that's that's not is not just. So there is a proportionality that has to that has to exist. But I would say to her question that discipline, when you're disciplining someone, it's the carrying forth of of that particular judgment in the context um, of of what's of what's fair, of what's right. Uh, Nick, you were going to yeah, throw something Yeah, there might
3: there. be a, just a slightly different way, I might put it, as in, like, judgment is the final trying to end something where discipline might be the way of teaching, of, like, discipline, like, going ways about doing, hey, I'm going to discipline you because you did it wrong and try to get you to do it right, whereas now you're at the, all of the end of discipline, you're finally going to do a judgment, and it's done. Well, and, because judgment, yeah. to me, is the end of something.
2: Like disciplines the, the median for the judgment, maybe.
0: I mean, that's just yeah.
3: a different way I thought about yeah. it. Yeah,
0: hey, listen, I mean, we're having a conversation there. Uh, there are you know, these no are, wrong these answers, these are great, these are great <laughs> thoughts. Well, <laughs> well, well, I mean, there are right <laughs> yeah. answers and there are, there are wrong answers kidding. for sure, but no, I, I, I think that that's again, I, you know, you're splitting hairs a little here yeah. and there. Um, but I think, um, you know, again, you make a judgment, the discipline is the carrying forth of the yeah, judgment, yeah, and I agree with that too. Any, any other questions just from, from YouTube or Facebook? Any, any comments? Because I want... Not ha- yet. So I, I only have a couple minutes mm. here uh, because it's very important. I want to finish the episode actually uh, talking about a friend that recently passed away. And, mm. and, um, but again, like let's, let's take this into someone that has fallen into sin. A- again, when someone, when a Christian brother, a sister, um, really screws up when they mess up. Um, and much the way that Jesus would handle this. You know, I, I, you know there, was, there was this interesting contrast between the way that Jesus handled blind Bartimaeus and the way that he handled the rich young ruler. Um, you had uh, the same Jesus, the same approach, different results. Um, when you're talking about someone in sin, someone that's blown it, Obviously, what they're doing, how they're reacting, um, determines really the way that you then need to handle it. Um, if, and it gets convoluted because the Bible says that it's godly sorrow that leads a person to repentance. So how do you know when someone is sorry that they sinned or they're sorry they got caught? In the moment, you have no idea because they got caught. Again, it would be way easier if someone is living a life of sin, a hidden sin, and then uh, they come to you and they're like, listen, no one knows about this, uh, but, man, I'm miserable, and I'm, I'm, I, I, f- the Holy Spirit is working me over, and I've got to confess. This is what I'm doing, and I know it's wrong, and it's, <coughs> you know, it's destroying me well, man, well, you didn't get caught, you confessed. And it's very easy to then see that, okay, we're on the right track here, you know. And, and at that point, like, you don't stone the person. Like, you're, right. <laughs> you know, you're like Lazarus, you know, coming out, the dead man rising. You know, what did Jesus instruct those, those around him to do? Take off his bandages, you know. Help him walk. He can't walk, you know. And, and, and you know, the Bible talks in Hebrews, you know, let us run the race with endurance, laying aside sin and the weight that so easily ensnares us. And and when we're when we're in sin and and it's deterring our walk, and we're struggling with it, and we go and we confess, then it's our job to love that person and rally around that person, and and you know help them walk, help them get back into their you know into the groove, into into the right direction. It's the person though that gets caught that's so difficult because they got caught and there's consequences. They understand that. And they're, they got tears. They're not
1: faking sorrow at that
0: point. They're not faking anything because they realize there are serious repercussions and consequences to whatever the heck they happen to be doing. But from your vantage point, it's like, well, now how do I handle this? How do I know this is godly sorrow, which is a good thing, like the weight, the Holy Spirit? Or they're just sorry that they got caught and that there are consequences. And the Bible tells us godly sorrow the distinction what repentance leads leads to repentance and so if the person gets caught in their sin like the woman caught in in adultery jesus told her to go and sin no more you know she affirmed that jesus was my savior my lord my Kyrios, but the only way that you you really the evidence would be well now what does she do you know, again, going back to, to situations that I've navigated as a pastor, you know, seeing someone, you know, caught in adultery and realizing that they just destroy their lives and blah, 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 blah. You get into a situation where it's like, OK, well, how do I know this person really uh, God's doing something here? Because that then determines what I do. Well, you need to see repentance and repentance is a changing of the mind that manifests a change in direction. It's a humility. Um, it, there is a, a contrition. Um, but it's, it's, it's got to show evidence. And I think, I think you walk alongside of that person. I think, I think you make the assumption that it's genuine until there's evidence that shows it's not. And then at that point, you now know uh, whether it's mercy or grace or judgment um, that's necessary. I, you know, I made the comment that you know, the church is the one living organism that eats its, its wounded um and i think that's a shame um that being said there's appropriate times where church discipline again a judgment and an action um is completely warranted why well because we love the person and there are bigger things at stake in their life than how they feel about me in the moment
3: you yeah. guys get
0: anything no i'm good now you good i'm good i let, thought that was great let me let me let me ask uh you two fellas um, just knowing your past, knowing your background. Um, you know the Bible says that it was the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance, and you know you both, you both came to Calvary three sixteen, uh, wounded, um, in 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 difficult places, different, entirely, similar in some ways. Uh, but was it was it judgment? Was it stone throwing? Or was it God's grace that, that changed your life? Oh no, it's the grace for sure. Because yeah. it's I mean, it's
2: like not even being able to understand it. Like I don't, I don't understand how God's grace works, how good He is, and like why I'm deserving. But then it's being able to put that aside and just be like, no, like that's just what God's grace is. Like I don't have to understand it. His ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. Like it's just no. It's the grace that was like, wow. No, man, I'm saved, and this is, everything else is better in him, through him, by him, for
0: him, everything. One final thought that just just came to mind, coming from actually this past Sunday's Bible study, um, you know, Jesus is leaving the temple, and he sees the blind man, the man born blind. And the disciples immediately ask a question, right? Hey, he's blind from birth. Um, we assume that this was the judgment of God, that he's blind because either he sinned in the womb or his parents <laughs> sinned. But they immediately, when they saw someone suffering, they, they reverted to causation. What caused this judgment? What caused this person's life to be in this place? And, and we do the same thing. Maybe not as overt, but we love to, when, when someone stumbles into church and their life is broken and, and everything's falling down around them, uh, we like to immediately uh, counsel them and get down to causation. <laughs> what is the cause? Well, the, the cause is always the same. You know, when you get to causation, you know, it leads often to, again, legalism and just a, a warped approach to dealing with causation. But when you realize that, like, what's all of our problem? Your problem is the same as mine. <laughs> and it's me. Yep. And so instead of me, like, telling you, hey, you did all these things wrong. And, y- you know, you did this that led to this, it led to that. And thus, you need to reverse this and do this and that and this to fix everything. It's like, well, you know what? You're your problem. And That's the same problem I have. what saved me and changed me was Jesus, and that's the same thing that can change you and point the person to jesus and and i think I think when we're dealing with with humanity, people in our camp or not realizing that our problem is us and the solution is Jesus um, you know i You'll never see the face of Christ in someone throwing stones, and I think that's a that's a good place for us to maybe end that particular topic. Absolutely. Well, I uh, I want to say, with the five to ten minutes that we have left, and really it's our heart to try to to try to make sure that um, the Outlaw Radio Show for those of you that are watching, you know, hits around the 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 hour mark, um, from eight to about nine. Uh, We don't want this to be a marathon uh, much later into the evening. We know your time is valuable and and we feel like if we can't cover what we need to cover in an hour, that's our fault (laughs) and not, and not yours. (laughs) Um, that being said, uh, before we took the the summer break, um, really through the spring and early summer, uh, one of our most, most loyal fans is constantly commenting on, on the, the thread on Facebook. Um, a dear friend, pastor Bob, uh, pastor Bob recently passed away. Um, had a heart attack, died painlessly, but he went to be with Jesus. He he finished his race and he's in glory. And we look forward to seeing to seeing Bob again. And I, I just want I want to do something, guys, if, if you don't if you don't mind. I, I want to share a story about, about Pastor Bob. And then I wanna I wanna say something about him um, to honor the man. So you guys you yeah. guys alright with yeah. with that? Yeah. So so I Pastor Bob uh, started coming to Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain, my, my, the church that I grew up in, the church my dad still pastors, um, in, the, in the, the early 90s. I think he got saved in 93. Um, was always around the church, was a deacon at the church, became an elder at the church, uh, came on staff at the church. Um, I grew up with his stepson, Billy. Loved the family, Bob and his wife, Pat, were at every kid's camp, that I was at growing up, every youth camp, um, every uh, they they cooked. Uh, Bob was in charge of the hospitality of the church. Uh, he cooked uh, breakfast and lunch uh, every Sunday for years and years and years and years. Um, when I was in college, when I was in Bible college, this would have been two thousand and two. Um, I had the opportunity to catch a flight and join up with a team uh, that was going to Haiti from Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. Uh, to build uh, a church building. Um, I had never gone to Haiti. Um, I had done s- some introductory mission trips just in high school. Uh, going to Haiti is not an introductory mission trip. It's pretty hardcore, and I'm a college student. Like, yeah, I'm doing this. So we get there, and you got to take a prop plane. You fly into Port-au-Prince, you got to take a prop plane um, out to Hinch. they got to buzz the runway, get the chickens off. Um, Bob was on this particular trip, and, and it's a, it, it is a... a, a a difficult journey, to say the least. Um, and once you're in Port-au-Prince, you, I mean, you're, you're moving around, you're flying. Uh, you know, you take this prop plane. I mean, it is fast-paced. You're not sitting idle for long because um, it's, it's dangerous. Um, well, we get to the compound, and no sooner than we got to the compound, man, I have got to go to the bathroom. I mean, I have, I have been squeezing my butt cheeks for like three hours And I can't squeeze any longer. And so we get to the the facility, and I immediately, I'm like, hey, guys, where is the bathroom? Um, I've got some business to attend to. And they were like, well, the the one toilet uh, in the house we reserve for the women, which I'm like, okay, cool. I get that. Um, All the guys use the outhouse uh, behind the building. So I'm like, okay, I don't care at this point. Like, I've got... Um, I, I'm, I'm sweating bullets. And so I'm, I go around the side down this walkway. I see this, this outhouse and, uh, I open the door to the outhouse and man, my heart sinks because there is in the corner of this outhouse, I mean, a spider, the spider was big enough that he's sitting there with his own newspaper. Like he's, he's in no hurry to leave. Like he's perched up in the back corner. I mean, this it's ma- a massive spider. And, uh, and I'm like, this is not good because I hate, hate spiders. Like I am not, I don't, wouldn't say arachnophobic, but I am not, this is not good. And I've got to go. <laughs> and this spider is behind me. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to drop drawers, sit on, and, and I can't see the spider. He could, he could sneak attack me, come down his <laughs> little web, get me from behind. I'm going to die in 80 before he even gets started. So I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm. I'm desperate and I look over to the far corner of the house perpendicular to where I am and there's Bob pastor Bob and he is uh, getting the kitchen all set up to his liking um, because he's going to go ahead and get dinner started and I'm like I don't have anything to lose so I I run over I'm like Bob I need you can you help me real quick Bob's like yeah yeah thinking there's an emergency (laughs) so so we run out get up to the outhouse and he's like what's going on Zach and I was like you see that spider up there? He goes, yeah, it's a big spider. I was like, yeah, I can't sit on that seat, do what I got to do and keep an eye on the spider. So can I leave the door open <laughs> and can you stand here? Why, again, I drop my drawers, hover over a really gross seat and, and, and take care of business. And then you just let me know that that spider moves. And Bob looked at me. You've got to be kidding I'm like, Bob, I'm not kidding. You got to, like, this. we're talking about Christian brotherhood, grace, mercy, judgment. I don't care. I just need you to stand here. And you don't have to look at me. We don't have to make eye contact. We just keep. And he did, man. He stood there while I took a dump in Haiti, was watching a spider, so I didn't get, sne- you know, was it wasn't a sneak attack. And, uh, but Bob was just one of those guys, just a, a loving man, a kind-hearted man, um, and I'll close just Bob. There are two men in my life, as long as I can remember, that were rounded men that wore suspenders. <laughs> Only two. There was a man named Gail Irwin. Yep. And Creighton, you, you remember Gail Irwin. Oh, absolutely. Gail Irwin uh, was kind of a traveling preacher uh, had had an organization called Servant Quarters, I think it still exists, and he would come and, and he would do a series of teachings. he had the Jesus style he had the spirit style where he's talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit but he had uh, it was called the servant style and, and really it was about it was all about Jesus and how he came to serve um, very powerful and Gail Irwin always had these suspenders and they were colorful and he talked about the servant style and while I was at Bob's memorial Creighton went with me I couldn't help but think that you know the two rounded men in my life that wore suspenders Gail Irwin and Bob Temps had something in common Gail Irwin taught me what it looked like to be a servant Pastor Bob showed me what it looked like to be a servant that man, i have never heard him ever teach a Bible study. Um, but he taught a continual Bible study his whole life and the way that he loved people and the way that that love for people manifested in just a practical service. He fed people. He moved chairs around the church. He cleaned toilets. He mowed the yard. And he did it with a smile on his face. If you came into town... And you were a stranger, and you needed a roof over your head. Bob and Pat would open up their house. I mean, he just, he lived what we all preach. Gail Irwin taught me what a servant was. Bob Temps showed me what a servant really looked like. And for that, I'll be I'll be forever grateful. So, Well, I hope you've enjoyed, enjoyed the Outlaw Radio Show. While the show is live-streamed every Wednesday night, the audio of tonight's episode, uh, will be released on our podcast tomorrow morning, Thursday morning. Uh, If you've yet to subscribe to the podcast, uh, our podcast is hosted on Apple, Google, and Spotify. For quick links, simply visit uh, outlawradio.org. If you happen to already be uh, a podcast listener, uh, we'd like to invite you to join us uh, for the live show every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., You can watch on our YouTube channel, OutlawRadio.live, or by visiting Facebook.com slash Outlaw. Derek and Nick, thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Kelly for that great question. That great great question. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There it is. And Creighton, as always, man, I appreciate the topic. Appreciate, Appreciate the topic and you handling all the tech. Once again, my name is Zach Adams. I hope you join us this time next week for another episode of The Outlaw Radio.